Now in the comic strip, Calvin and Hobbes, they're talking about the new year. And Calvin says to Hobbes, you know, I am getting disillusioned with these new years. You know, they don't seem very new at all. I mean, each new year is just like the old one. I mean, here another year has gone by and everything is just the same. There's still pollution, war, and greed. You know, I thought things were supposed to get better. I thought things were supposed to improve. I thought the future was supposed to be better. Hobbes then replies, you know, the problem with the future is that it keeps becoming the present. My friends, as we look back at 2023, it's always time to assess our successes, our failures. And each time we face a new beginning, you know, we always have such great hopes, hopes that things are going to be different, hope that things will get better. However, if we're not careful to allow the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to blow across our lives, the future will not be full of exciting new possibilities. The future won't be full of positive change and new growth. The future will just be more of the same. You know, there are two men, their colleagues, they were talking, they're talking about a colleague. And one man says to the other, you know, he has 30 years in the field. And the other responded, he doesn't have 30 years of experience. He's had one year of experience repeated 30 times. My friends, as you think about this new year, I really do want you to hear this. God is always doing something new. God is always doing something new. You know, betterment and growth, it's actually a principle that God has built in to our lives. God wants us to get better. God wants us to grow. God wants us to change. God wants us to become all that God originally created us to be. I mean, that's what we hear. And the promise of Holy Scripture in Revelation 21.5 when God says, See, I am making all things new. How many of you know what it is to be determined and to be resolved to make a change? And then the same day or week that you are determined in that resolution, it becomes shattered because of old habits or just plain old sinfulness gets in the way. Turning over a new leaf seldom affects us 
in a long-term, lasting way. Because here's the thing. We don't just need inspiration. What we're desperately looking for is transformation. And that only comes in the power of God. My friends, only God can bring about true change. Because what we really need is something that's bigger than us. You know, and for followers of God, that something isn't just a something. You know what that something is? That something is a someone. And for Christians, that someone is Jesus Christ. And that's what we need. We need an authentic encounter with Jesus. Because when you have an authentic encounter with Christ, it will never leave you the same. I mean, that's exactly what our scripture today reminds us of. Simon, who was never the same, because he had his name changed, you know? That's one of the first things Jesus says to him. Your name is Cephas, Simon. We're going to change it to Cephas, to, to Peter. Now, it's interesting to think, Simon, I, you know, Peter means the rock. What do you think Simon means? I, I'm like, I don't know, does that mean sand pile? Because a lot of times when I think of Peter, when I think of the Peter that we first encounter here in the first chapter of John's gospel, he's all over the place, isn't he? I mean, is this really the stalwart of faith? This is the rock? Well, God's able to see past Simon and to see in him Peter. And so you know what God does with that sand, right? A little pressure, a little heat, a lot of love, a lot of grace, and he's transformed. He's made into something new. I mean, let's, let's face it, right? Simon Peter was the one who forgot Jesus' teaching about when someone strikes you, what are you supposed to do? Turn the other cheek. But he found himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they're arresting Jesus. And what does Simon Peter do? He pulls out a sword, and he cuts a man's ear off. Simon Peter who said, Lord, I will never desert you. I will never deny you. And then he denied Jesus three times. And the last time he denied Jesus, he was emphatic. He even cursed. Simon Peter was truly a man of hot emotions. His temper made him rather unstable. There were times when Simon Peter was too oversure of himself. And other times, he couldn't even make up his mind. I mean, let's face it, the last thing we associate with Simon Peter is rock. 
Again, Jesus was able to look into Simon's eyes and see through his weakness and see his strength. Jesus knew that the transforming power of God could make Simon a new creation. Jesus knew that Simon's fiery emotions and strong determination could be used by God to accomplish amazing things. And that is why Jesus had the audacity to rename Simon the rock on their very first meeting. My friends, that's what we need. We need someone who can look beyond our sins and our faults and our weaknesses and not only just love us, but bring out the absolute best in us. Someone who believes in us, someone who will give us another chance, someone who will call us by another name. I mean, listen to the word of God that you hear from Isaiah 62. Verse 2 and 3, and you shall be called a new name, and, and that the mouth of the Lord will give you that name. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of God. You know, many times I hear people talking about God as seeing only the bad things that are in them. That God is more aware of their faults and their failures than God is seeing good in them. My friends, we have a God who sees us and who knows us and who truly loves us. A God who forgives us, a God who renews us, and a God who renames us. Many of us insist God hasn't changed us. Now, if that's you, if you're sitting out there right now and say, you know, I've been a Christian my whole life. I don't feel any different now than I did when I began. Well, guess what? That's on you. Because the power of God has been there for you all along. The grace has been there for you all along. You just haven't been open to it. Because transformation is there. But again, God loves you too much to force it on you. God offers it to you. Because God is ready to call you by a new name. Are you ready to be called by a new name? Now, there's a story that I absolutely love. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you know it well. I mean, do you know the story of Don Quixote? Now, this is a fictional character by Miguel de Cervantes. And Don Quixote is an old gentleman who uh, does not see the world for as it truly is. He actually prefers to imagine that he is living out his life in a chivalrous, knightly world. Now, Don Quixote is a man who lives in a world of the impossible dream. His armor is shabby and his horse is saggy. But he rides for his fair lady, whom he calls 
dulcinima, which means sweetness. Dulcinia is far from fair as a lady. Truth is, she's a prostitute in a country tavern. And she assures Don Quixote that she is the most casual bride of the murderous scum on earth. And her name is Aldonza. She resents Quixote's intrusion in her life. And she even screams at him and says that she is no kind of lady. But Don Quixote persists and he responds, and still thou art my lady. He says to you, he says to her, when I see you, I see heaven. And she replies, well, when I see you, I see a rusty old tin can. Now, Don Quixote's family tries to make him see reality. And as they begin to exceed, you know what happens to him? He begins to, his health and spirit begin to break. And he's at the point of giving up the impossible dream. But just then, Aldonza comes into the room and she looks different. You know why she looks different? Because she is different. She really has become a lady. And with grateful eyes, she looks at him and says, you called me by another name. You called me by a new name. And you called me Dulcinea. Her life had been renewed by someone who dared to believe in her, by someone who dared to call her a new name, for someone who looked past her sin and saw what she could be. Could God love me even when God sees what I really am? Could my life change? Could my life be different? I mean, is it possible that the Bible is for real when it says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated love for each one of us? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Notice what it doesn't say. Christ died for us because Christ saw a little bit of goodness in us. Christ died for us because we were worth dying for. That's not what it says. My friends, we were not worth dying for. But Christ loves us. And because of that love for us, that love made us worth dying for. We didn't have it all figured out. We hadn't become better. No, Christ died for us while we were still in our sin, while we were still separate from God, while we still didn't believe in God and the power of God. Christ died for us. That proves God's love toward us. That is amazing grace. And guess what? 
You and I don't deserve it. But we get it. It's given to us. We're loved. John 15, 15 says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know the master's business. Instead, I call you friends. Has God given us a new chance, a new lease on life, a new name? No matter how many times we fail, My friends, I'm here to tell you, God's new name is a new beginning. You know, when people talk about other people, they often say, you know what, that person's just never gonna change. People never change. You know, he or she, they're just hopeless. That's not what God sees when God sees you. God doesn't see hopeless. Don't ever underestimate the power of God in your own life or in somebody else's life. You know, the book of Genesis has a powerful story. It tells us the name, the, uh, the story of Jacob, right? You always got to love the Old Testament because one of the things about the Old Testament is uh, the person's name is going to tell you a whole lot about the person. And so, Jacob, you know what that means, right? Supplanter trickster, swindler. And guess what? He absolutely 100% lived up to that name. I mean, Jacob tricked and cheated everybody. And it didn't matter if you were a friend. It didn't matter if you were a relative. Matter of fact, I think he did it more to his relatives than anybody else. But then, after he had run as far as he could run, after he had deceived as many people he could deceive, he couldn't deceive anybody else. And he found himself all by himself. It was just him and the Lord. And there was this great wrestling match. Actually, we're in Texas, so I can say a great wrestling match, right? There was this great wrestling match, and they wrestled all night. But you know what? After he wrestled with God, he was never the same. God even named him Israel, which means Prince of God. It wasn't just the name that he changed, he changed him. Can we we just own something that I think is so incredibly important in all this? Names are important. And you know what? Many of you have heard names your whole life that you have defined yourself by. Whether you even realize it or not, somebody told you when you were young that you couldn't sing, and so you've just believed it and have chosen not to sing. And that's sad. It's sad for you. It's sad for us because you've got a beautiful instrument that God's given you. Maybe you shouldn't be doing solos, but that's okay. You've got a body of Christ that you can sing with, right? Others were told, well, you know what? You're nothing. You're nobody. And guess what? You believed them. Somebody told you that you were too fat or too thin 
too smart or too dumb, too tall or too short. And so you've got a list of these names that you've called yourself. But you know the one thing that you really need? It's not what the world calls you. Who cares what the world thinks? What does Jesus call you? What name is Jesus going to rename you? Beautiful, kind, loving, filled with grace, healer. These are the words that Jesus uses when Jesus talks into our life and into our heart. And my friends, when you have an encounter with the living Christ, and the living Christ gives you a new name, now that's change. That's a new creation. That's a time to praise God. That's the lasting change that we're looking for. That's something that makes a difference. That's something that goes to the core of who we are. Because we do not belong to the world. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. Because we belong to who? We belong to God. We belong to Jesus Christ. And we've been changed. So what name do you need to hear? I don't know. But you can already just pray and go, okay, what names do you call yourself? What other things do you say? And then go, Lord, help me. Because I want to be something more. I want to be something different. I want to be something better. I mean, just think about it. Think about the Bible. I mean, those the world would call tax collectors you know what Jesus called them? Followers, disciples. Those that the world would call sinners and unlovable. Jesus called them friends and broke bread and ate with them. Those that were scorned because the world said that they were immoral. Jesus said, you're a child of God and you're forgiven. Those common fishermen, well, Jesus called them and said, hey, why don't you be fishers of men? A man called a crucified thief, Jesus called him an heir to paradise. Now, friends, what names have you been called? What names have you called yourself? Well, there's a new opportunity, and there's a new name waiting for you. And my friends, this year, let's bring some real change into our lives. Let's stop listening to what the world says, and let's listen to what Jesus Christ says. Listen, because God is calling you. Listen, because God has a new name for you. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.